0: I noticed last week in the newspaper, I believe this was in the New York Times, there was a story about this woman who uh, is really popular, popular with groups of people, especially in New York and other places, uh, because she can channel the dead. Now, it's not someone I would necessarily want coming over to my house, although I could think of some interesting characters to, you know, drum up and uh, have them speak. But one of the things that was noted is that she, and this made a lot of people upset, uh, that she is able to channel Jesus. And uh, so she can, you know, contact Jesus and Jesus can speak to her and then she can share that with people who need to hear from Jesus. I'm kind of thinking we already have that possible for us, but uh, there are some other people that she channels, like her people's families and all that. I was thinking, you know, I looked throughout the article again this morning just to double check how cool it would be if she could channel John the Baptist. Nowhere in the article did it say anyone requested to hear from John the Baptist. And I'm thinking that would be really cool, wouldn't it, Bill, to bring John the Baptist into the room and have him say some things. First of all, we would notice an odor, right? You know, he's been out there in the desert, kind of sweating a lot. And uh, I mean, the guy is only eating locust and honey. So probably his breath isn't that great. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of challenges out there in the desert. But he's got a lot of powerful things to say. Well, if we were able to channel him here this morning, I think there are several things he would say. Let me change that a little bit. Actually, we do have him here this morning because his words are here in the gospel as we look in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 3. And so I want to share with you several things that John would say to us today. You probably haven't ever thought about John the Baptist, except, you know, just coming to tap you on the shoulder uh, to say to you, uh, I've got something I want you to hear. So the first thing He would say to us is keep your ears open. Keep your ears listening. We find here in the Gospel that the Word of God came to John. That's what it says. It came to John while he was in the wilderness. And at a very specific time. All those hard words that I read earlier. And by the way, the one that has Abilene is not Abilene, Texas. Uh, But all those those difficult cities to pronounce and all that, Luke is getting very specific. He is describing something so that the people who are getting this gospel can understand that this is factual. It didn't just kind of happen whenever somebody thought it happened. It was very specific that it happened on this day and this year in this place with John. The word of the Lord came into his ears, or into the ears of his soul, and spoke to him. And so his ears were obviously quite open to God. Now, our ears are not always open, are they? Uh, We may not always be listening. You know, there is a difference between hearing and listening. And some people say listening is just the natural thing we do. Hearing is something different. I usually roll that around another way to say we can all hear, but are we really listening? Uh, Epictetus said we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. So isn't that true? You've got two ears, one mouth. What does that tell you? You should be using your ears more than your mouth. Listening. John would tell us today to do that. John would tell us to keep our ears open. To hear what God has to say to us in this place and at this time. Or as you go to work tomorrow, or you go to school, or you go to the store, or wherever it is that you go, that you could know that God gets really specific in speaking to you wherever it is that you happen to be. With whatever it is that's going on in your life, God has something to say to you. And it might just be through someone like John the Baptist who has a specific thing to say to you. Maybe it's reading a scripture. Maybe it's hearing a song. Maybe it's seeing something in nature. And it begins to speak to you and you come to understand, wow, God is speaking to me. We do this by staying in Scripture. Uh, If you are keeping up with our Advent candle, I believe it was on Wednesday or Thursday, maybe Thursday. It talked about uh, someone who read the Psalms every day. The whole Psalter, he read it every day. And that's why his name's on the calendar, right? If you do something like that, your name will end up on an Advent calendar. You'll go down in history. But he would do that every day. And and you can imagine how God spoke to him every day as he read through the Psalms. Whenever we get into Scripture or allow it to get into us, we hear from God, don't we? I can assure you that that will happen. Even if you're just reading a few verses of Scripture a day. You are going to hear something from God. I believe it. We also do this right now in our Advent devotions uh, on Wednesdays. We met last week for uh, soup and devotions. And we heard some some words, just some short little devotions, but they spoke to us. And maybe for some of you, uh, there was something that you really needed to hear in all of that. So, when we gather as a community, we can hear from God. And John says, Keep your ears open. But also, what John would say to us is, Keep your eyes looking. Keep your eyes looking. The other day, I went to, I uh, had to get some new glasses and uh, finally got them to where they work right. But the eye doctor told me, is one of those, hmm. You know, when you get that from a doctor, you know there's something not right. Hmm. And I said, why are you humming me? And he said, um, I forgot what the actual term is, but basically I have fat eyelids, okay? And my eyelids are getting so droopy that it's impairing my sight. And he said, you're going to need to have some surgery to get that fat taken off of your eyelids. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. And he said, eventually, you won't be able to see very well at all. He said, you can probably already notice it. Your eyes are not completely open. You're not getting enough light in. And chances are you're going to run into something. And so I thought, wow, this whole time my eyes, I mean, they're already kind of squinty anyway, but my eyes aren't, as open as they need to be. Luke wanted his readers to know just what it was that John was preparing for. I love the canticle that was a part of our readings this morning and the Scripture reading from Malachi and John. It all fits together if you're paying attention on this second Sunday of Advent. It all comes together. It's about preparing. It's about preparing for peace or shalom in our world in our lives. And so John wanted them to understand and to see what they were doing as described by Isaiah. Every valley, he says, shall be exalted and the salvation of God shall come to us. If you just look through that again, the the uh, description there in Isaiah, it is so powerful. And we'll hear that in Christmas songs as you go To the store, chances are you'll hear some Christmas carols playing or on the radio, and you're going to hear some of these words that are in there. John wanted them to open their eyes to see what they were preparing for, to see what God was beginning to do in the world. And and Luke, writing to his readers, is wanting them to know these different churches that are hearing this gospel on a Sunday morning. For them to hear, this is why Jesus came into the world. And this is what John the Baptist was doing, preparing a way for him. And then Jesus would come, bringing the kingdom of God into the world. I love Anne Frank. Don't you? We all had to read Anne Frank, I guess, in middle school or somewhere along the line. There's a quote from her. She says, I see the world being slowly transformed into a wilderness. This is while she is in hiding from the Nazis, because she is a Jew. She says, I hear the approaching thunder that one day will destroy us too. I feel the suffering of millions. And yet, when I look up at the sky, I somehow feel that everything will change for the better, that this cruelty too shall end, that peace and tranquility will return once more." Can you imagine? She ultimately would die uh, at the hands of the Nazis but she could envision a better world one day that wouldn't be like it was then. And what we are invited to do on this second Sunday of Advent is to envision a better world. We know that the world is in darkness. We know that there are COVID variants that are all around us. We know that there is racism and violence and oppression, all kinds of terrible things in our world. But what we are to do is to envision a better world. We are to look with our eyes and see what God wants to bring into this world and what God is bringing into this world. It is then that we experience what real peace is all about. I wonder for you, what does that look like in your life? Seeing what life could be like for you, a better world for you, Maybe you feel like all the pieces of you are in a lot of different places. And you long for a time in your life when all the pieces come together. When maybe your heart and your mind, your soul is in turmoil this morning. Maybe just as you walked in here, you were overwhelmed by some sense of anxiety or worry about what's going on in your life or in the life of a loved one or just in our world. And you long for peace. Part of what we do on this second Sunday of Advent is understand what that peace can be for us through Jesus Christ, but also in our world to help our world prepare to help our world change its direction, working to bring change to institutions, to laws, to climate. And our our world is in desperate need for change, to make way for God's justice and righteousness. This is what we are to do. This is what we are to see, to envision peace. Well, the third thing John would tell us to do is repent. That's what he says to the people. Is they're coming out to the wilderness. He sees them coming. This is Israel, his own people. And they're coming out to hear what he has to say. Some people say, this crazy guy is out there. Come check him out. I mean, it's like a train wreck. I mean, they didn't have trains back then, but they probably would have said that if they had trains. Come check this guy out. And so they do. They go out, have nothing better to do. They go out. And John says to them, repent, change your mind, change your heart, change your direction. Turn around, Israel, and come back to God because you're headed in a very dangerous direction. And so John says, if you're really serious about doing it, come get in the water. Come get in the Jordan River. Around here we'd say the Jordan River, right? Come get in the Jordan River and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Don't just say it. Do it. Come show it. And so John would tell us the same. To change our direction. To do the work of preparation. What does that look like in your life? To turn away from yourself. In just a moment, we're going to have our prayer of confession. And every time I hear that prayer, it reminds me of things that I've done that I shouldn't have done or things that I haven't done that I should have done, right? Things I've said I shouldn't have said or things I thought I shouldn't have thought. And so it is a reminder each time, John, change your mind. Change your pattern. Change your direction. And turn back to Christ. That's what repentance is all about, isn't it? It's turning. It's changing. And we need to do that. We have our own agendas. And what we do is say, God, I'm going to do Your agenda for the world and for my life. I surrender to Your will for me, not my will for myself. And again, with our world, we do the same thing there too. We call our world to turn away from its wicked ways and to turn to God just like John did. Sabine Moreau, not not kin to Pam Moreau, I don't think, but she was a 67 year old Belgian woman, was driving to pick up a friend in Brussels, about 90 miles from her home. But based on the faulty direction that she got from her GPS, she drove all the way to Croatia, (laughs) nearly 1,000 miles away. The journey took the woman across five international borders. She stopped several times to get gas and take naps, but she kept pressing onward until she hit Zagreb, the capital of Croatia. After a few days, her son got worried. Mom, where are you? Called the police who located Sabine by following her bank statements. And she told a Belgian reporter, I was distracted, so I kept going. I saw all kinds of signs, first in French, then in German, finally in Croatian, but I continued driving because I was distracted. When I passed Zagreb, I told myself I should turn around. You think? We're a lot like her, aren't we? Sometimes we feel like we're 900 or 1,000 miles from where we should be. And all along, God has been saying to us, turn around. You're going in the wrong direction. And it is up to us to listen, to see, and to change. This is the message that comes to us from John the Baptist. We should be prepared for the way and we should be preparing the way. For God and for ourselves. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Amen.